Imagine a football platform where the world's best writers give you the real story about what's going on at United. Imagine no pop-up ads, no clickbait headlines and no ridiculous rumours to be let down by anymore. You don't have to imagine anymore. Meet The Athletic. No ads, no nonsense, just football. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand to start your 30-day free trial and get 50% off your annual subscription. The Athletic. Welcome to Lakes United We Stand. I think this is the first time that I've ever started a podcast during a game uh, at Old Trafford. I know we were behind closed doors at Lask in Austria. But here we are, Manchester United are leading Southampton 2-1. There's about 30 seconds left. Five minutes of time added on has been played. Manchester United are just trying to see out another victory. And they're down to 10 men because Brandon Williams has gone off with blood coming out of his head. And it's been an enjoyable game. Southampton have been a decent side, they started really well. And if United can just see out in this corner, it will mean it's 18 games unbeaten since Burnley in January. 14 wins, 4 draws, no defeats. No bastard! Nah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nah. Well, you've heard it. Corner came in. Ah, bastard. Sorry for my uh, use of my language here. Just frustrating, 35. Ah. Jan Bednarek, four players around him, and Southampton's manager. He's celebrating. Ah, that's frustrating. That's frustrating. That is frustrating. I don't know where United will go now. Let's see in the league table. United tried to hold out um, with nine outfield players. See United ah staying fifth. They could have gone. United could have gone third. Ah, that's frustrating. Can't believe I started this podcast now. Try to get my thoughts together. Um, Southampton started the game really well. United then struck back. Anthony Martial has been the best player on the pitch Marcus Rashford's had his best game since um, the return um, the defences look wobbly at times Paul Pogba was at fault for the first game do not whatever you do concede another goal to Southampton here but this is a, this will be the second home game where United have conceded to at home come on come on Rashford I don't even think there's any time here now Rashford on the edge of the area nah he's lost the ball I didn't intend to do a commentary, but there you go. This is United We Stand's podcast from Old Trafford. Nah, that's it. Ah, that's it. 
that is such a shame. Um, it's weird, the games. We know fans here, and I'm going to speak to a few people uh, after this match. I think the tone's going to be slightly different than what I expected when I started recording this podcast. Uh, what's it like coming to the game as a journalist? Well, you get your temperature checked twice. You get your photo ID checked two or three times. You get your bag searched twice. Uh, there's more security than for a, a normal game at Old Trafford. The staff are all very polite, very professional, and just come straight into the seat, uh, which is in the main stand. Uh, you've got to sit distance from, from the other journalists. Uh, at least I've got a screen. Ah, that's the final whistle. You can hear that. That's a shame. Um, that's a shame. Right, I'm just going to send my article. That's a shame. Right, I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you more interesting things. Here. With Simon Peach, who's the main man at the Press Association. Am I allowed to say that you're a Southampton fan? Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty clear about it. We're, we're in inoffensive clubs mate. most most nights anyway. I think tonight, probably not. Well, I thought your team were excellent for large parts of the game tonight. I thought they were looking really well organised, especially in the first 15 minutes. They didn't give up and they probably got what they deserved very, very late on. As I said to you before the game, I'm not trying to be wise after the point, I really thought that the way that Saints, Hassel and Harry impressed was going to cause United problems. United are not a bad team, of course. We've seen that in the last few games. And on the attack, there's not many teams better in, in European football right now. But defensively, I think they are susceptible to, to that press. And Saints started like animals. They were all over United. And yeah, I know there was that chance just before when Martial was put through by an uncharacteristic James Will Prowse era. But after that, it was... It was, com- it was coming. I thought United did brilliantly to come back, just like they did against Bournemouth. But I was, I was surprised that they sat off so much in the second half and they tried to soak it up. They invited Saints on, to be honest. I mean, if United had watched the Man City games, Saints were under the cosh throughout that entire second half and they, they just held on. If, if, it had been, if United had put that pressure on Saints, I think it would have been 3-1 quite easily. What's going right? Because this is a team that would conceded nine goals. Oh, you can tell me about the 9-0. That's yeah. good. Sorry, that, was, that was the main trending topic after we beat Man City, which was interesting. Um, there's a process and a plan. It's meant some expensive, relatively, for Southampton players have been bombed out because they don't fit Hasnacle's style or character. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, stuck with their, they've stuck with their man and they've given him a new contract and they're, they're reaping the rewards. It, it's... It's an, it's, at last feels like the team that was wowing the Premier League or certainly neutrals enjoyed when Pochettino and Kuma were in charge are, are back belatedly Which players from your team are Liverpool going to be signing next? I, I mean I'm tr- again any other Southampton cliches we want to go through in the bingo they've got their, they've got their um, loyalty cards so I think they get the next one free or well, maybe that was Nathaniel Klein um, Look, I think Musa Gineppo is going to be on for a big season next season. Same with Shea Adams. Um, Michael Obafemi, who is just calling me now. Right, I'll let you get that. To play, but I can continue in a second. No problem. So he's the man calling you. Yeah. 
So the man who's just scored the equaliser has just called you and rudely interrupted the United We Stand Sorry. podcast. Priorities. If the manager comes in in a minute, I might have to stop again. Yeah, no problem. But, I accept um, that. <laughs> but no, look, he's a, he's a really talented young player. Um, he's still got a bit of work to do. I joked with him about how Ralph Hasnuttle is often shouting his name the loudest and, and most regularly because he's, he's still a raw youngster. But he's another one with talent. And look, th- th- there's a lot of players that fit the system and the mentality fits so it, as a Southampton fan it's quite an exciting time look it's an exciting time to be a United fan I think this is just a little bump in the road I know they missed the chance of going to the top four today but the way they're playing and the way their rivals are playing it's surely a matter of when rather than if United get into it I feel disappointed as a Manchester United fan because a 97th minute equaliser feels like a, a defeat. United could have gone into third position and into the top four proper for the first time since September. But not half as disappointed as when I walked from St Mary's in August back towards Southampton. Not as disappointed as I was after the EFL Cup final, so swings and roundabouts. That was a good game, that. I know. You played well. Gabbiadini wasn't offside. Well, Bobby... <laughs> Let's not get into Bobby Stokes. Bobby Stokes <laughs> was offside, I know, if you want to I... talk about offside Look, it's... it's... I think this is a really exciting time to be a United fan. I know you, you're not where you should, you, you, you're used to being as fans and, and as clubs used to being, but it feels like you're on the right track. You've got some brilliant players. I, I, re, I love watching Mason Greenwood, and I, he wasn't at his best tonight, but it didn't help that he was almost uh, lost a leg after a challenge by Ariel Romeo. But things are on the up, and I'm sure you'll get back on track against Palace. What's it been like as a, a journalist coming back and covering these games? Uh, it's been nice to get back to work. It's strange to be without fans, um, among another number of things. But um, I mean, we we can't really complain. That's like, for, for me. And this is going to sound really sad. And I never thought I'd say this about my United player, but I guess I am now covering the club. But one of the things I was most excited to seeing during that three-month period was Bruno Fernandes. Um, I loved watching the way he played and just his movement off the ball more than anything, um, as much as anything even. And. It's, it's continued and again he didn't have his greatest night tonight I don't think many of the United players did but he's such a special player and it's great to see someone that takes the ball by the hands and kind of lifts the other players around him I think He's still not been on the losing side since moving to England I mean we tried tonight uh, but no he's, he's uh, I was told by someone that has known him since childhood at Sporting that he would piss it in the Premier League and I tweeted that and got a few people going, oh, he's going to be awful. So far, I think this guy's been proved right. He's got every attribute you need to be a, an elite player in this league and more, more players like that or a couple more players like that and United can challenge. He's not even been on the losing team in training yet. Is he really? Or in his garden against his door. <laughs> well, I believe undefeated. that. Undefeated. I believe that one, yeah. No, he's, he's, it's, a, it's a mentality thing with him as well, isn't it? Um, you could look at his career career trajectory I know he's did well at sporting but it's not kind of your standard career trajectory to, to be at this point at his age but he seems to have grown with it and matured um, and it's actually probably helped him settle in quicker I reckon going to Italy and playing for Navarra hmm. is not a conventional move for a Portuguese player I went there a couple of years ago to see Federico Makeda he was playing at um, Navarra just outside Milan your manager is stood there in front of you is his stock pretty high then now yeah I mean he it's, the more you, the more when you look back at it, it's actually quite strange. So, he was appointed early December 2018, mm. and by the by Boxing Day, mm. there was Ralph Hampton posters outside the ground. That tells you how much the fans bought into him. I thought Mark Hughes did well 
keeping the side up. Claude Pell obviously got Saints to a cup final. Pellegrino didn't really work out. But Which cup final was that? <coughs> we, we, let, let's focus on Ralph. And, but it finally, there's a, in the era of character managers, he's a character. Yeah. He gets, he's someone that the fans want to get behind and, and feel warmth towards. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I think he will go on to bigger and better things eventually. Or maybe not better, but certainly bigger. Um, but he's, he's focused, he signed that new deal and he seems for some reason to relish the prospects of improving players and potentially losing them. So he came in the same month as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and had a fantastic side start like Ole Gunnar did. And you think one day he might be managing Portsmouth? No, he, he, I don't think League One's like his, uh, his standing. But um, Do you miss that rivalry? I miss, it, I miss it being a challenge. I was at Fratton Park when we uh, hit them for four earlier in the season. No, I do. It's... I would much rather they were closer to us, but just beneath us. Did you miss the Dell, finally? Um, I do. I, I, I've got very hazy childhood memories of it, really, because I used to go there infrequently because it was hard to get tickets. Uh, and when you did go, it was always kind of crazy helter-skelter matches. And they are the, the memories you miss and, you, and the ones you cherish. The players back then, your Benalis, your Dodds, your Letizios, your Egger stats, whatever. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah I bet I you do. do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Was it... I know Neville tried to take one of his hat-tricks, but it was a hat-trick. And, yeah, it, they, they were great days, but it does feel like the club's what well, they needed to move St Mary's, didn't they? Yeah. I'll leave you to it, because I know you're a busy man, and I thank you for your time. Yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. And you. Thanks, mate. Still in the main stand at Old Trafford, and I'm with Mark Ogden, as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does his post-match press conference, just listened to the Southampton manager speaking and he's obviously delighted with the form of his team, with the performance tonight and he feels that they deserve it. And with Mark Ogden, Mark's the main man at ESPN and he's been on this podcast several times, usually in quite trying circumstances such as before the Chelsea game last April which was an absolutely atrocious game of football and then pre-season when Mark wasn't the most optimistic after a summer where um, Manchester United maybe didn't get all the players that they wanted to and that mood was borne out when the season started and United dropped as low as 14th but it's been 18 games unbeaten now how is your mood and feeling towards this Manchester United side Mark? It's been 18 games unbeaten and he comes to the profit of doom after he can concede the goal in the 97th minute I know it's awful <laughs> wasn't it? I know um, yeah it was um, I must admit I, I have I have been expecting a bit of a blip, not because United have been playing badly, but because you look at the, all the top ten since the restart, they've all had results you're not expecting, even Liverpool have lost, um, City have lost. There's been some strange results and United have been you know, serene almost to them, blowing teams away, so I actually thought the Palace game on Thursday was a tricky one, but that might prove to be the case, but Southampton played well tonight and I think that they probably did deserve the point in the end, but the timing of it is a real... Well, it's not a killer for United, but it's a bad one because it's it's going to be three teams for two spots now because I don't think anyone expected City to get that ban overturned. And if if it had stayed as it was, fifth place would have been would have been enough. And I think United would comfortably have finished in the top five. But now it's you know it's going to be quite a dash to the end. Were you surprised? You mentioned City that the 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 ban was over, overturned. They are still guilty. They've yeah. just uh, been reinstated into the Champions League and they have been fined, but it's a reduced fine. I'll, if you'd asked me this morning at 25 past nine I'd have been amazed if 
to get it overturned. But having seen why they got it overturned, I'm, I'm surprised you have even banned them in the first place because if there's a statute of limitations and it was a five-year period and this happened six years ago, then Man City didn't even have to spend millions on the best lawyers in the world to get this one overturned. They just had to get a, a competent lawyer who would have said, well, it's beyond the statute of limitations. So, you know, fair play to City for, for spotting that loophole and exploiting it. I mean, what were you for thinking that a club as powerful as Man City weren't going to spot that? So I, I don't quite know what you were thinking. So, you know, City quite rightly have overturned it on a, on a technicality. Um, it's a big fight. I don't think any football club has ever been fined so much as that, but I don't think they'll care, to be honest. It's half a season's ways for Pep Guardiola. So. But it has left... Well, it certainly made the race for the Champions League very exciting. And it's, for United, it's going to go right down to the last game of the season at Leicester, isn't it? But, you know, Chelsea have got a tough game at Anfield next week when I think Liverpool will want to win in front of their non-existent fans when they get the trophy. Um, Stop smirking. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting. But, I, you know, I think United desperately need to be in the Champions League, though. That's, that's, there's no kind of uh, escaping that. You haven't always been convinced by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mm. Have you been more so with the upturning results? It'd be really churlish not to be, wouldn't it? Let's be honest, it, you know, he's done an incredible job since, since January, since that Burnley game. I don't know if you went to Tranmere, but I went to Tranmere thinking if he loses this game, that could be it. The fans were turning, the fans were chanting against the owners. It was all, very, it all got very messy. But they won that game pretty well. Bruno Fernandes came in and it's been onwards and upwards ever since. I think, you know, the forwards are looking sensational, but there is, there is still a job to do at the back. There's no pace at the back, and I think... You know, Harry Maguire's had a few moments recently, David De Gea has. Ollie needs to sort that out. He needs to, if you're going to compete next season, you have to have a guy at the back who, who's quick enough to get them out of trouble. And I don't think they have that, but listen, I mean, he's, I don't know what his, his blueprint is, I don't know what his philosophy is, this kind of buzzword about managers and philosophies, but it doesn't really matter because he's winning football matches and he's, he's put the, the feel-good factor back into the club again and 18 games were beaten. The forward line... Tonight, so they've now scored more than Liverpool's forward line, Barca's forward line, Juventus's forward line, and they're all pretty much young kids, so that bodes well. So they should improve, and Fernandes, as you said, has been excellent. Paul Pogba looks like he's enjoying his football again, although he didn't have a, a top game tonight. Oli's signings have been good, uh, good to great. Although the team have not yet won anything yet, there's still a chance in the FA Cup, which will be difficult, and there's a Europa League as well. How do you see it playing out next season? Do you think Liverpool will be as strong as they've been? Do you think Manchester City are starting to fade a little bit? Do you think United can actually put a title challenge in? Um, well, take them one by one. So first of all, at the end of the season, I think if they finish in the top four, then they win the Europa League because the pressure's off and they can just blow that way. They'll probably have to play Wolves again, obviously, and maybe beat Inter in the final. But I just think if you've got the Europa League with no pressure to win it to get in the Champions League, they'll win it. It'd be great for Solskjaer and his team to have a trophy to get rid of all those kind of questions that come. You haven't won a trophy, haven't won a trophy. So I really hope they win something for the sake of the development of the team. Beyond that, I mean, Liverpool, I think that the biggest result Liverpool have had since the restart is the African Cup of Nations being postponed because it means they've got Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Naby Keita for all season now. If they'd have missed out on, if they'd have had to go in January for six weeks, I don't think they would, they would unleague because they missed out on Timo Werner. They're saying they haven't got the money to strengthen the squad, but I do think that the squad they've got is, is certainly good enough to, to win it again next year. City, I think you're right, City have got a lot of issues to address. You know, David Silva's going, I think Folder looks, looks a real star, but they haven't got a defender apart from Amrit Laporte. So, um, 
but they're going to spend now, aren't they? Since you've got money to spend. So I think that the, I think the top two will once again be the two teams to beat. But I do think that United getting the Champions League is massive. But I think if Chelsea get in the Champions League, they will they will just use it as a as a kind of a launch pad. They they can't defend either, by the way, but they might add to their squad as well. So I think getting the Champions League is massive for United. If they get in the Champions League, they'll be able to get the players they want. And just just being in the Champions League will make Rashford a better player, Mason Greenwood a better player. They don't want to be dragging their ass around <laughs> to Kazakhstan in the Europa League anymore. They've done that, and I think you've done it. You were there. Oh, so yeah, it, it does. Did have you a, enjoy it? Looking back, yeah, I did yeah. actually. It does, it, but it does have an impact. And it's not a Thursday night thing. I just think it's the the charisma of being in the Champions League and being, you know, Rashford and Martial and Greenwood want to be playing against Neymar and against Messi. They want to be up there. They don't want to, like I said, they don't want to be playing, you know, locomotive plovdiv, do they? And you can see that here. You can see crowds in those early European. Europa League matches of 50 and 60,000 mm. rather than 70,000 mm. and it's totally different when PSG, Barcelona or Juventus yeah. come in as they have done in recent years not that United have had a team to beat them here yeah. at Old Trafford but it does look like there's a team coming together yeah absolutely yeah. and I just think I wouldn't say I worry about like, keeping that team together I think you know I think we've certainly got another year or two before people like Rashford and Green will start thinking I need to be in the Champions League but it'd be a lot better for everyone concerned if that came next season and they have to start you know I remember when Rooney and Ronaldo were coming through and there was a two or three yeah. bleak years and people thought, well, United win enough to keep these two at the club and obviously they did. But, you know, what's Rash- Rashford's now? 21, 22, I think. I think if United are in the Champions League next year and they don't qualify next year again, mm-hmm. here's me being miserable and down beat again. You know, you've got a job to keep them here, but look, let's look at the fixtures. They've got Palace away on Thursday. They should win that. Palace have gone. Mm-hmm. West Ham at home next week. West Ham could be safe by then. And mm-hmm. West Ham... West Ham yeah. uh, dangerous but it's West Ham Leicester away finally the season well Leicester haven't got Sancho there's going to be banned I imagine for violent conduct Jamie Vardy's always dangerous I think Leicester have got to go to Tottenham yeah. United have got a very good record against Leicester yeah but Leicester have got to go to Tottenham I think Mourinho you can never tell with that Tottenham team mm. Chelsea will beat Norwich on Tuesday then they've got to go to Anfield then they've got Wolves on final day so you know United have got probably the easiest running I guess but we all know what United are like when it comes to pissing around close to the line. They are. United are picking up points. They are winning games. When you compare to when we last spoke in depth at the end of last season, none of the teams wanted to finish in the top four. United and Chelsea were as bad as each other. And the team looked fatigued. They looked completely sharp. At least they've had a break. At least they've not got injuries. No, yeah. Luke Shaw went off there. I'm not sure how serious mm. uh, that, that will be. But definitely seems to be more room for optimism than towards the end of last season and there needs to be yeah. as well I mean last season was just horrendous I mean, yeah, that, that Huddersfield game and I, what was the last game at home I forget what it was but that was just Cardiff Cardiff yeah, yeah. I mean, these are in the top 10 worst United yeah. games aren't they Absolutely. there were a couple towards the end of Mourinho's time Brighton away West Ham away mm. when he came in the press conference after as did David Moyes and tried to pretend it had been a good game of football yeah. the trading standards should have jumped in there then and sued both of them for saying yeah. that it was horrendous and a few towards the end of Van Hals as well. Yeah, no, it was grim last season. So from where they were then to where they are now, it's been a massive turnaround. And listen, I'll, I'll hold my hands about it. I was probably a bit too harsh on on Ollie at times, um, on the basis that I just thought he wasn't getting the backing that he needed. And I thought they, were going, they went way too far with the cutbacks in terms of getting rid of the experienced players and too many kids in. And I do think that you know, if they'd gone for if they'd not pissed around with Bruno Fernandes for a month in January, or if they'd done the deal last 
August when they could, you know. Well, that was financial last August, wasn't it? Not to say it's right. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it should have been done. Man United, yeah, look, look at the it impact he's made. If he, you know, if he'd been done a month earlier in January, mm. would they have lost it on to, these are all ifs and buts, but mm. the impact he's made, it, it, the penny pinching, mm. saving five million, ten million here and there doesn't stack up if, if the guy comes in and gets you in the Champions League, but... You know that be, again. I'm, I'm probably being a bit too negative on the basis that he's come in, they've done the deal, and, and they, they've come back from nowhere to be where they are. But you know, it's uh, tonight was a, a big one, wasn't it? Ninety seventh minute. That, those extra two points. You know. Well, it's fifth and third. Absolutely, yeah. That could be difference yeah. between tens of millions of pounds. Hopefully, it, it won't be. Where do you think United uh, need to strengthen and will strengthen? I think. I think they'll get Sancho. I mean, listen, if a player like that wants to come to Man United and it's available, then you get him. But How come there's been no speculation about that, linking him with Manchester United? <laughs> I thought maybe someone would have written yeah, that. Yeah, it's funny that. It's one of those, isn't it? All the teams seem to go for forwards these days and they forget, they kind of neglect what's going on at the back. So I think, you know, you can't turn down the chance to sign Sancho as a young player, he could get 10 years out of him. They definitely need some defenders. They definitely need Which, a... what, left back? Well, there's well, Williams there, right back, cover I, I, for second. I like Williams. Yeah, I like I Williams. Um, I, I'd be. I think left, but I think it'd be okay. I'm not a big With fan of Shaw. Yeah, yeah, but I just think it's centre half because, you know, Maguire, he's made them better, but he's so slow. He's slow. He doesn't communicate very well. He was swearing tonight. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're good, but Lindelof can't head the ball. Mm. Um, I like Eric Bailly, but he's too reckless. I think he's, you know, if you, and Phil Jones, God bless him, you know. But I think if you could kind of mould. All four centre halves together, you'd have a player. I don't know why they're not being Chris Smalling, but mm. I've never his biggest fan. But he's had a good season in Rome. A great season. He's yeah. a communicator. So he's got, he's got that experience with him. I, I think he's a better bet than Lindelof. But you know, looking around, I don't know who the the outstanding centre halves of Europe are. But whoever they are, Man City will want him, Chelsea will want him, and probably Barcelona will want him as well because all their defenders are about seventy-seven years old, aren't they? So, um, so it's a centre half with pace for me every time. Because that, as we saw with Rio and Japstam over the years, the centre half you can run in sprint sorts out so many problems. It just gets you out of so many problems. And I think I'd also replace the goalkeeper. I know he made a great save second half, mm. but I just think it happens too often with De Gea. Mm. And I, I, you know, I'm not blaming for the goal at the end, but the, when the defending set pieces, the defenders are so deep because he never comes off his line. He doesn't come out and cl- you know clatter a centre forward or clear anybody out and come command his area. I think it shows at times they just drop too deep. I, you know, I, I think I don't think Dean Henderson's ready yet. I think that'd be naive to bring a 23-year-old back. But I do wonder if our Black's available at Atletico Madrid or whether I think it's got a, is it a hundred million euro pound buyout clause or something. That for me is a, is a it's a glaring part of the team where they need to improve. I know he's a great shot stopper and all this, but he's not stopping enough shots at the moment. He's probably not had enough competition in the last couple yeah. of years even though Sergio Romero is competent De Gea has known that he is the undisputed number one and he's had his mate in for a lot of the time yeah. until the start of this season coaching him which maybe is not the the best environment to be pushed I don't know if you've heard this story I mean it, 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 he was doing the rounds about 18 months ago that some of the defenders who were at the time preferred to play with Romero behind them because Romero was um, a better communicator the red Thank you for your cooperation. Do you think they need to turn it up a bit? <laughs> I have not heard that in the <laughs> um, So Romero is a better communicator, and also the crucial thing is he comes off, he comes out of his penalty area, so the defenders can defend ten yards further up the pitch. 
so they're not inviting as much possession. With the hay, they drop back because they know he won't come off his line. So just a technical thing. But when defenders are defending 10 yards further up the pitch, it stops the opposition, you know, camping in your half. So I do wonder why that's what, why De Gea makes so many saves at times, because he has to, because the defenders are dropping deep. But, you know, Oli keeps saying he, he would never drop him, defending him in public. But, you know, for me, centre-half and goalkeeper are the two issues that I think they need to address. If they can, if they can find a... If they could get on Golo Kante out of Chelsea, brilliant, but it's not going to happen, is it? Fred came on. Fred was doing well until the lockdown, wasn't he? He's found himself more peripheral now. Do you not think he's top, top class? No, I don't think he is. I like McTominay. I think McTominay can definitely develop into something. You know, he's got, he's got great physique, great, great energy. People are a bit um, snobbish about Scott McTominay. I just think, I don't know what it is. I, I think he's got, he's got real potential. But I think there's an element of that with Darren Fletcher, and I think, I think Fletcher is a brilliant player for United. And Darren Fletcher is peak, you're taking this team every time. So I think Scott McTominay is, is somebody that could certainly uh, develop into a really good midfielder, but he probably needs. They probably need somebody in between Matic and McTominay right now. And someone who's from quite close to where you're part of the world, uh, Axel Swanzebe. Yeah. You think it's now or never for him? He's got to get over his injuries, he's got, he's got to get in, he's got to do it. Yeah, I know they, they rate him really highly. Mm. Um, they rate him as a, a real leader in the restroom. Yeah. They, they think he's got a real, a real voice. But you're right, he has to play. Mm. Um, but then, you know, a lot of players, well, some players, not a lot, but some players, they get to 21 and people say when they're going to make it. And sometimes it's 22, 23. Mm. So Alex always made the, the part with Lingard, didn't he, that he would be a late developer. Do you see a future for Lingard at this club? I don't know because... Well, I, I don't see a future, no, because he's hardly figured, has he, since the restart, but... Again, he's, a one, he's one that divides opinion, Jesse, and I think, obviously, he's not as young as people think he is. He's, uh, he's pushing 35, isn't he? But, um, no, I think with, um, with Jesse, he probably needs to move, but I, I, I do actually like what he brings to the team at times. I think he brings energy. He brings that, that fight, that spirit, and I think a bit of that edge that Man United need at times, a bit of nastiness. He's just fallen out of favour, hasn't he, even among yeah. the fans. But so are Chris Smalling. Doesn't yeah. necessarily make him a bad player. I think what's going on with Jesse Lingard is that a lot of you know it's just social media stuff and that sort mm. of thing which a lot of fans just don't like it and mm. it, the problem is it gives them something to hang on to if he has, if he has a bad game mm. which is unfortunate but you know he's had some good performances he's, he's, he's scored winning goals in cup finals I, I think fans are a bit harsh on the guard if I, I would actually find a, a role for him I'd, I'd keep him in the squad because you do need you know players that can do a job and he can he just needs a bit of confidence Mata Pereira Sanchez Wait, Sanchez is he still alive? Um, Imagine Ma- if he came back and was top scorer next year. <laughs> Never ever gonna happen. No, no. He's probably gonna score the winning this year in the Europa League final. Imagine isn't he? that. Assist for Lukaku. Apparently he's enjoying his football again now, but I looked at his stats at Inter and he barely played. I think um, I think Mata I think Mata's still got a year or two left in his contract. So you, I think listen, I feel sorry for one Mata because he's been here he's been at United now seven years. Mm. Probably some of the worst years in United's recent history and he's enjoyed it all he's enjoyed David Moyes the bank. He, you know talk about all the players that have had time here that have won loads of trophies and loads of success they're probably not as good as one matter but the poor guy is, is, is never really mo- never moaned never complained rescued United at times you know the, the goals at Anfield that time but I think he's, his numbers up now. I just think he's too slow now. And that's not a criticism of one matter at all. I just think he's too slow now. To he's had a to... top career. He was the best player in yeah. the first half against Southampton in the game earlier on this season, away. And, you know, he played very well in the first half, but they were poor in the second half. 
But he's been, I think he's been a great ambassador for himself yeah. and the club. Like I said, a lot of players oh, he's a top man. can come to a club and moan and groan. And, but he's been an absolute professional. And I think, you know, like I said, it's a shame that he's not enjoyed United at the best while he's been here. He's probably deserved to be, but he's just, I think it's time for him to, to move on now. I, I hope his restaurant opens again in Manchester, which is, you know, tap your wine, it's a good place. Open it up again, one. Thank you for your time, Mark. So that's it for this podcast. It's the morning after the game. I'm still pissed off about the result at Old Trafford. I apologise for the uh, industrial language used at the start of the podcast, but I'm sure you all felt similar sentiments. I'm going to go to Crystal Palace for the game on Thursday. Uh, I've not had my accreditation confirmed yet. It's, It's really problematic as a journalist because... Clubs are, have got a much reduced capacity even in the press box and you only find out the day before if you are going to be allowed into the into the game. So I got in at Villa and I got in at Old Trafford, not been told by, by Palace yet. I've uh, been rejected for Wembley on Sunday, uh, that despite having paid to travel to London on Thursday for the Palace game and paid for four nights in, in a hotel and and an onward travel from London on Monday and then I'm looking at booking the Europa League tournament in um, August in Germany providing that Lask don't win 6 or 7 nil at Old Trafford but even then um, I, I'm more than happy to take a, a bet on Lask not doing that at Old Trafford but they're letting 10 journalists in from each club uh, and in- included in that would be agencies and just really difficult so you you can't book a flight and hotels and then find out that you're not getting into the into the game and I know that fans might not have sympathy for that uh, and I know that I know fans will go to Germany just going for a little holiday and why not because Cologne's a decent city and it's cheap to get to at the moment but I do have to work as a journalist and it helps to if I'm inside the stadium to do that. That said, I was sat at Villa Park and because you're not in the normal press box, because you can't all sit together, I've got no electricity, there's no screens, so I can see that everyone was talking about a penalty and I barely saw it because I'm 150 metres away from it and you need those screens uh, to, to look over it again. Ideally, so it's not always easy covering games in in these circumstances at the moment, especially when a team get a 97th minute equaliser. Please don't pull through this pain again this season, Manchester United. Uh, In other news, we do plan to do a summer issue of United We Stand, bring it out at the start of August. Uh, I wanted the postal system to get back towards 100%. And hopefully that will be the case because 90% of the mags we send down arrive absolutely fine, but 10% is still a considerable number. So administratively, it's been difficult. The shop sales are well down and we don't have games to sell the mag at. So we have had a surge in subscriptions, but I'm not going to pretend that it has been easy. But we do plan to do a summer issue. We've got loads of decent content in there, including the second part of the interview with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. So... I will keep you updated with that. And I should say thanks to everyone who's subscribed, because so many of you have done. 
and that has really helped us. It's helped us massively with our cash flow because people have paid up front for 10 issues or they've subscribed to the digital edition. So we definitely do appreciate that and I will get cracking on the next issue over the next couple of weeks. But first, Palace. I intend to do a podcast from Palace, but who knows what's going to happen until then. Goodbye.